0: Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons.
1: Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Demford-Simmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And I try to be a good neighbor. Uh, Amy and I have lived in this neighborhood for uh, 21 years now, something like that. And um, we have uh, a couple, a few long-time neighbors that have been here the... Same amount of time we've been here. Longer. Uh, and uh, and we've got, you know, uh, a newer neighbor who uh, moved in here a couple of years ago. But, you know, I try to look out for them. Uh, the one newer neighbor uh, who had moved in I, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago now. I don't know. Time flies. Um, he has a, 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 a garage door, like a lot of people do when they have garages. You know, the big door that's on the automatic garage door opening closing device and for whatever reason sometimes it doesn't close all the way most of the time he catches it it usually stops about I don't know like a foot above the ground 10 inches above the ground you know it's so it doesn't quite close uh and he'll catch it and 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 I, he's talked to me about it and said he not he doesn't know why it doesn't do it and I don't know if he's I think he's had repair people out there but I, who knows uh but uh Every now and then, he doesn't catch it. Uh, he'll drive off, and the door, thinking that the door is closed all the way, and not realize it's still open that 10, 12 inches. And then I'll spot it, and as like a good neighbor, I go on over and I close it up for him because I just, you know, you don't want the the temptation there, the the the, the an opportunity for someone to say, hmm, "I'm going to check out and see what's in that garage." So I I try to look out, you know, for the neighbors, and that's you know, and I've had a neighbor uh, straight across the street from us, uh, Marlene. She's called me and said, Jim, you've left your garage door open. There's a theme, to this, to this uh, opening story here. There's a theme. Uh, so she'll call and it's done. It, she's done it a couple of times. It's Jim, your garage door's still open? Were you? Good? <laughs> Did you know that? And I said, Oh no, I didn't. So I I run outside and close the door. We don't have an automatic garage door opener, closer thing. We don't, we don't. We have to. We do it manually. Well, Tuesday, this past Tuesday, uh, I, I got home from doing my night job. And I get home about, eh, about 9.30. And um, uh, I pull into our driveway, and the neighbor that is just across the alley from us, uh, a woman named Barb... Uh, her garage door see told you there was a theme her garage door was wide open the big one you know she's got an automatic door opening thing too and so it's it's open and I look uh, and she's got a real wide garage she's got like a two and a half car garage kind of thing I think and uh and, it, and it's and it's so sort a of big bit of driveway in front of it and it also has uh at this part of the driveway that's nearest to the, her house has a little has a little nook has a little notch in it that's big enough to park a car you know and you park and, uh otherwise uh let's see uh, you, you pull into the garage where the, the the cars the cars would be parked perpendicular to the street that the driveway is on but in this little notch the car parks parallel to the street you got it and it's a, it's behind some bushes it has got, you know, on the one side, on the street side, there's some bushes. And then in front of it is the fence to her backyard and, and her house. And so she her, her car was tucked away in that little spot there while the garage door was wide open. And I thought, well, I better see what I can do here. Uh, she may have forgotten to close the door. Who knows what's going on? So I went on over and I'm, I'm looking and I, I see that inside the garage, just on the inside of the door, the, the smaller door, uh, there's a there's the button that it can be pressed, and I'm looking at thought, Well, I could probably could push that, and then I then I then I look at the garage door setup, and it's got one of those where there's an electronic beam that goes across the bottom, so that you know it's a certain height. So if you walk through, it'll stop the door from closing. And I thought, well, yeah, that's probably not going to work. And so I'm just uh, thinking about what can I, what can I do here, and I decide, well, I better call Barb. All right, hang on now just had a little sip to prepare you know how they the saying is no good deed goes unpunished well it's not exactly this case here but 9:30 <laughs> at night her car is in the driveway the house you know from the back side of the house everything's dark i don't know if she's sitting in the living room which is on the other side of the house so I, I don't know but i call i've got her number i call her up and she answers the phone <clears throat> like this. And I quote, motherfucker, we're in bed. And then hangs up. <laughs> now, I, I, I hope that she didn't realize it was me calling <laughs> at that moment. It's like, <laughs> what, what do I do? <laughs> uh, I decide, well, I got to call her back. Now, here's the thing about Barb. Barb's hard of hearing. She wears hearing aids. Well, if she was in bed, like she said she was, uh, she undoubtedly doesn't have her hearing aids in. So I know i got to talk loudly into the phone. So I call again. I hear it pick up. I don't hear her hang up or anything. She doesn't say anything. And I start saying in a full voice, Barb! it's Jim from across the street. Or, you know, uh, it's Jim from next door. Barb, it's Jim from next door. That's why I kept repeating that. Hello, Barb, can you hear me? It's Jim from next door. (laughs) And she's not answering quite. Oh, and while this is happening, Moses has somebody uh, uh, staying with him at, at his house over there. And that whoever that person is pulled up alongside on the street and has got out of their car and they're walking around. There I am standing there with my phone my, to my, my ears yelling, Barb, it's Jim from next door. <laughs> so what they must have thought, I don't know. Eventually, after a few times shouting this, Barb starts to hear. She, can, she, she And she says, so I think she said like, hello? And I said, Barb, it's Jim from next door. And then she hears me and she says, Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm assuming she's sorry about uh, the epithet she threw my way. <laughs> and I said, "Barb, your door, your garage door's open," and she said she knew, and she explained that it, it's for some reason it's not closing, and she's called the uh, guitar, uh, the garage, not guitar, the garage repair uh, people, and they'd be coming out the next day. And I said, well, you so while we're talking on the phone at that point, I said, well, you know, let me see if I can figure out if I can get it closed for you. And she said, well, let me come out, you know, so she, so as she's heading out, I'm looking at the, at the setup and I, I figure out what was wrong with it. It's just the, 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 lower wheels, the two wheels at the bottom of the, uh, on either side of the door that feed into the track that the door rides along the two uh, casters, if that's what they're called, or wheels, had come out. So the the bottom part of the door was not following the track, and what it was doing is it was hitting the inside of the wall uh, above the opening of the garage, so it wasn't coming down. But I would be able to, to manually pull it along the track and get it to come down, and then I realized, I remembered this about garage doors, uh, these automatic garage doors. The, most of them have a little cord that hangs down from the the device that opens and closes the, the door with a little handle on it. And you can pull that and that will unlatch or unlock the door from its position, the open position so that you can manually move the door down. And that's what we did, that's what I did. I did this for her. So it was closed, it wasn't locked or anything but at least it was closed. And again, it takes away an opportunity, you know, the, a temptation. Somebody coming by seeing an open garage door and thinking, hmm, that happened to my dad. My dad uh, had had driven off to go somewhere, thought he had gotten the garage door closed behind him, didn't see it closed behind him, he just took off. And when he came back, saw the garage door was still open, and then he noticed, oh, my weed whacker's gone, and oh, my leaf blower's gone. A couple of things walked away, because it was a moment of opportunity, a crime of opportunity that happened. See, garage door themes. But here's the thing also. So my neighbor was very happy. Uh she was very appreciative that it came over and helped at least get the door closed. and, and she was apologetic about you know, how she treated. And I, you know it's okay. I'm glad to be able to help, and it's it's okay. And uh, but I should have, I, I, I was tempted to say, you know, I hope yeah, uh, you know, first of all, Barb, nine thirty at night isn't that late. And it's kind of late for a phone call, but it's not that late. It's not after ten. It's not ten thirty or eleven thirty. then then you start of saying, okay, what what's going on here? Secondly, what if I was one of your kids calling you having an emergency or something? Is that how you answer the phone for them? Hopefully she's got a, a ringtone for them <laughs> that identifies it's, it's them. But, <sighs> so what are you going to do? <laughs> that was fun. <clears throat> okay, uh, I thought I would do a little uh, COVID update. Uh, what's going on here? A little stuff in the news. It's some, a couple of good things that are happening in the news as far as the COVID goes. Uh, that uh, Pfizer has uh, gotten approval from the FDA to uh, give their vaccine out to everybody 18 years old and older. So everyone can get the booster, the COVID booster. Now, that it, when the approval for the booster first went through, it was for three groups. It was for uh, 65 and older. They could get it no, no problem. 18 to 64, those people in that age group, they had to have some comorbidities, some, comorbidity, some, some uh, 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 factor that could make, if they got COVID, could make it more severe for them. So it could be diabetes or uh, asthma. Uh, it could be obesity uh, in my case, high blood pressure. So, you know, then there are other things that could, could be considered in that factor. So people in that group could get, uh, get the, get the vaccine. And the third group would be people on the frontline healthcare that are exposed to people with COVID, uh, on a almost regular or daily basis kind of thing. And so if that's who it was for, but Pfizer pushed to see if the FDA, and I guess this, I don't know if it's ready to roll out right now, or if the CDC has to chime in, or whatever, whatever has to happen next, but uh, at least the FDA said yes, you can. We can give the vaccine booster for COVID to everyone ages 18 and up. So we want to get our son set up for the booster as soon as we can, because you know you just want it. <laughs> uh, the other bit of good news is that Pfizer and another uh, big pharma. Company Merck, both have a an, an antiviral uh, medication in pill form that can be given to people who have COVID. And, uh, and I don't know if it's a, I, th- I think it's, I don't think it's a, it's a one-time pill thing. I think it's a, a course of a few days that you take the, to take the medication. So like an antibiotic where you're, you know, if your doctor says take it for seven days, take it till it's gone, you have to take your prescription till it's gone. Not just, you know, the infection's gone, I'm, I'm fine. And you still have three days worth of pills to take, you keep taking them because that's, they want to fight the super bacteria that can happen. So you take my advice, listen to me and listen to your doctor. <laughs> When your doctor tells you, they give you an antibiotic uh, prescription, they say, take it until it's gone. Follow the instructions, you know, don't just take it all at once. But, you know, take them until they're gone. You take them until they're gone. Anyway, so it may be a course of uh, several pills over a few days or whatever, however many pills, but, you know. Over a few days, you take this antiviral, and what it does is it it lessens the severity of the infection of the of the illness. It brings down the uh, risk of hospitalization and death. So that's two weapons that we have in fighting COVID. We got the vaccine to help us from getting it, but also the vaccine. If we do get COVID, the vaccine can help us from having too severe of a reaction to it, you know, too severe of a, of a bout of the COVID. And then we have a medication that can be given to us that uh, that will help, you know, if we get the COVID, it'll reduce uh, its badness for us. And that's good. These couple of good things, some good news there. A uh, little bad newsy sort of thing is that here in Minnesota, our case rates are going up a bit. There are over 10 10%, percent like 10.8 percent infection rate going on right now, and I was trying to find out why the rates are jumping. But it seems like, from what I can find, it seems like it's the it's the Delta variant has just made its way into Minnesota, um, and that's what's going on. The Delta variant is far more infectious um, than than the regular variant or the regular than the first bits of COVID uh, that came around the vi- the coronaviruses that came around. Uh, so this one's much more uh, infective and uh, or infectious. That's the word infectious. Um, and so you know, we're seeing higher numbers and that's. Uh, uh. I also wanted to um, talk a bit about masks. Uh, well, before I get to that, uh, what I was just seeing on uh, you know how Minnesota is doing as far as the you know the COVID rate, we're not doing great. I don't know if we're the highest rate in the country, but we're up there. And I'm I'm told that Colorado's not doing very well, and there are probably some other states. Uh, obviously, this has been you know it's you know we're getting tired of this pandemic, aren't we? So the good news is we've got the vaccine, and we've got uh, we've got this pill that can help. Uh, the bad news is we still got people that don't want to get vaccinated. And I wonder how many of them won't take the pill if they get sick. Oh, they might, there might be more that'll be willing to take the pill once they get sick. But wouldn't you rather just, you know, avoid just getting sick, <laughs> and not even having to take the pill? Uh, there is an expense issue with the pill. Uh, uh, there's a possibility there that's that's expensive. Um, also, uh, the testing has been done mainly on high-risk patients. They haven't been really done much testing uh, of those pills on how it would affect people that are relatively healthy when they get the COVID. So, but anyway, okay. So masks. We still gotta wear masks. We should still wear masks. And it, here's a couple. It's, it's a couple of things. Um, I've been going to the grocery store as you, you know, about once a week, maybe a little more. It depends. And um, this is not any kind of. It, uh, any kind of uh uh evidence or um uh it's just observational on my part the sample size is pretty is pretty small and it's just from what i've observed so i can't make any kind of solid conclusion here i can make a soft conclusion but uh about masks and what i'm seeing and that is well first uh, a couple weeks ago i was at the grocery store i'm in the line uh, I've noticed now for the past several weeks, maybe a couple of months, that the, uh, the employees at the grocery store are masked up again. For a while there, they weren't, but now they're all masked up again. And, and for the most part, they're doing fine as far as the masks go, except I got into this cashier's line to check out. And they were not... the nose was hanging out. There's the nose. And I just, I held back from saying the stuff, but I felt like just saying, you know, it's been, what, more than a year and a half since we've been told we should be wearing masks. When we're out in public and we can't distance and we haven't been vaccinated, even if we have been vaccinated, maybe we should be still wearing a mask. It depends on the situation, but we should be wearing masks. It's been over a year and a half. And I'll borrow or steal this joke from social media. Uh, it's been over a year and a half. It takes less time to potty train a toddler. And still, there are people that can't figure out how to get their nose in their mask. You breathe through your nose. You don't just use your nose for smelling. You use it for breathing. Uh, most people, it, that's that's they use their nose for breathing far more than they use their mouths for breathing. Think about it. Right now, you're sitting there breathing. You're probably breathing through your nose. Unless it's all stuffed up. Or you're one of them mouth breathers. <laughs> Which, that's because your mouth, your nose is stuffed up. That's why. But you're breathing through your nose. It, 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 it cover the nose and the mouth. Okay? But I didn't say anything to her. It's just, I just looked. I said, oh, here we go. I'm not as bothered or as worried about it now because I've been boosted. I've gotten the two courses of the Pfizer and the booster. All right, Kitty, quiet down. <laughs> anyway, so then, the other thing is that's my my observation that I can't can't pull a real strong conclusion for. Um, is that um, what? <sighs> Stop you, stupid little cat. <laughs> Had to throw a pillow at her. <laughs> um, The other thing is I look around at the customers and I figure it's about half at the store I go to, the last couple of weeks I've been noticing it, it's about half of the customers are wearing masks and I'll say this about them, they're wearing them well. Virtually every person I've seen wearing a mask. In the, in the grocery store has their nose, their mouth covered, they don't have it hanging under their chin, their nose isn't hanging out, they aren't taking it down to talk to people, they're wearing their masks properly. I saw one woman who had it under under her chin, saw one. But of every, but all the other people that I've seen wearing masks at the grocery store, they've got them on right. And I think this might relate to That uh, that saying that that uh, that joke that came out after the vaccine started to be distributed and uh, had been been being distributed for a while. uh, That you know, how can you tell somebody's been vaccinated? They're wearing a mask. These are the people who. uh, this is this is, this, this is the conclusion or assumption that I'm making. These people are the ones that were listening to the scientists, listening to the doctors, following the recommendations all along because they got it right. They're wearing decent masks, the N95s or the surgical masks, or if they're wearing a cloth mask, it's you know, obviously they're doubled up and all that, and like mine is a double mask kind of thing. They're doing it right. And I hope that of the people that aren't wearing masks, that at least a good percentage of them have been vaccinated. In Minnesota, uh, I just read that we're at 60% of uh, people who have gotten uh, both doses of the, of the vaccine. They've been fully vaccinated if they've done the tube dose or they got the Johnson & Johnson. So we're at 60% there. Um, in the age groups, in my age group, uh, we're at like 78%. Something like that. Uh, so, you know, and a lot of these people look like they're in my age, or age group or maybe even a little older than me. So hopefully they're vaccinated. But, you know, wear your mask wear it, where it makes sense to distance and get boosted if you can. You know, it's, it's not that it's not that hard. It's not that tough. So, uh, uh, and what's even easier is for me going to my break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm, a, I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Simmons. I'll return after this break.
0: In fact, we're, we're your love.
1: Well, you should wear a mask, otherwise you won't get infected. Unless you want that love that this guy wants to infect you with, or be infected with. Anyway, I'll be back. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. I am living on
0: Channel Z. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. this station is not your cup of tea, huh? then drink coffee! 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 <laughs> <laughs> drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guaranteed. But well, thought you might say
1: that. from <laughs> another <laughs> You're listening to Ztalk Radio Network.
0: I was feeling the weight the atmosphere And those are no one Looking over overjoyed, I'm here Daughter's about 14 or 21 And Chardonnay shows What she knows When
1: she and welcome back to Dimland Radio at the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Let's go ahead and have one of these.
0: It's time for another Dimland Radio pedantic moment. What did they get wrong this time, Dim?
1: Well, um,. Last week, I did a pedantic moment where I was uh, um, picking on History This Week, which is a podcast I listen to, which is an excellent podcast. Very enjoyable. Uh, It's good history to listen to. It's well done, well produced, and all that, and uh, I don't want to put you off of it that way. Uh, Last week, it was a commercial that they did where a guy was talking about how he likes to cook, but he doesn't want to do any cooking with with a recipe that has more than one or two ingredients because he finds it too intimidating. And I was telling him, you don't like to cook then. (laughs) So don't tell me you like to cook if you don't want to cook something that's got more than one or two ingredients. That's that's not cooking. Anyway, uh, this time, I have one that's uh, hopefully a little bit funny. Hopefully, um, it's it's uh, for the podcast that dropped this past week. It's um, it's about uh, the uh, the first flights of uh, hot air balloons and gas-filled balloons uh, in France back in seventeen eighties. In the seventeen eighties, uh, the Montgolfier brothers did the first hot air balloon uh, successful hot air balloon thing uh, with they you know, floated up into the sky. They thought they were putting some kind of gas in there, the Montgolfier gas is what they called it. They thought it was filling it, but actually it's just that the hot, hot air rises and, and lifts the balloon with it. It, just, it rises enough, it has enough uh, lift to bring up the balloon in the basket and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, there's some other fellow was uh, working on uh, more of a hydrogen-filled uh, balloon. Uh, sort of thing to you know, to do the the same deal. And what what history of this week? What they do in this particular podcast is they connect balloon flight to the French Revolution and how there there is a connection there, which I won't go into because uh, I can't remember all the details. But there is a connection between the two, and it's about the same time. You know, shortly after this balloon flight stuff was taking place, the French Revolution began. And um, yeah, there's they connect it and they do it rather well, and I I think it's overall it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good podcast in general. And this particular episode, I enjoyed. Uh, I and I kind of I could be accused of picking on them. So if you're if you're a Facebook friend of mine, you will know that a couple weeks ago or four more or whatever a while ago, I had posted not being happy. This was a little more of an angry pedantic moment for me when uh, they, uh, they were doing a show about the, uh, the birth of hip-hop. And they, they got to a point in there where the host is, is saying that uh, uh, you know, as hip-hop becomes more and more popular, she brings up that, uh, the fact that uh, Blondie um, had a- appropriated the, the, the rap stuff the hip hop stuff in uh, in their hit song hit hit song uh, Rapture. Except they didn't say their hit song. They said uh, Blondie had appropriated the the the, the, the hip hop stuff uh, for her hit song Rapture. And Blondie is not a her. It's a band. The name it's the name of the band. The name of the her in the band is Debbie Harry, but the the band is called Blondie and I was rather disappointed in that. That's you should know that. I mean, at first when, when Blondie first started hitting the radio that I took notice of them way back in 1979, I thought it was I thought it was Debbie Harry was, was Blondie, but I learned rather quickly that no, that's the name of the band. The name of the band is Blondie, the name of the singer is Debbie Harry. Okay? Unlike Charde, the name of the band is Chardet, but also the singer's name Sade, or Sade, sorry, shade. Sade, okay, anyway. So, yeah, and I caught some grief from a friend about about my uh, blondie thing. But this, come on, this is a, come on, listen, come on, all right? This is simple. So, class, I want you to, I, I pulled uh, some audio from it. Uh, you hear the host, this is, it's a woman speaking, and then you hear an expert give some information they, they interview experts on their on their podcast and then you hear the woman again okay the host so uh, and the, and the get and the expert guest is a, is a male so uh, uh, okay so here we go uh, I'm gonna play this listen closely see if you can catch what it is that's wrong with what's being said here let's see if I can hang on I gotta uh, boom ready and here we go now listen
0: This flight will have passengers:
1: the duck, a
0: rooster, and a sheep. They're going to become the first living creatures to take to the air—at least the first that don't have their own wings.
1: Did you get it, class? Did you did you catch it? Did you? I'll play it. I'll play it for you one more time. Is it playing? Oh no! There we go. One more time. This flight will have passengers. The duck, a rooster, and a sheep. They're gonna become the first living creatures to take to the air.
0: At least the first that don't have their own wings.
1: At least the first that don't have their own wings. Class, what did she get wrong there? Right, ducks and roosters have wings and ducks can fly rather well. I'm unaware of any flightless ducks. Now roosters, which are chickens, chickens can sort of fly? Not really, I mean, they can fly, quote unquote, up to about 10 feet, according to the Google, and they can cover a distance flying of uh, forty to forty five uh, uh, 50 feet, forty feet to fifty feet. I, you know that's that's impressive, but it's not it's not sustained flight. Ducks, however, they can fly. This this is you know, floating in a balloon, and a duck looks over, saying, "Yeah." <laughs> I, 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 I'm you know the the chicken might be afraid of the height they're at. The sheep. Which doesn't have wings, the sheep might look over and say, "Guys, look how high we are." And the duck's like, "Whatever, water off, water off my back." You know, it's like, "What do I care?" So yeah, um, yeah, uh, ducks and roosters have wings. That's that's hard to believe that that got by. That somebody didn't say to whoever wrote that, "You sure? Have you seen a duck? Have you seen a chicken?" You ever have chicken wings? <laughs> you ever have those? Because they have they have wings. All right. Um. Let's see. That's just a quickie. It's just a quickie. Let's see. Last week, I did this thing where um, I talked about what time am I in my show? I talked about. Uh, you know what i'm gonna do in fact i'm gonna it's probably gonna be early i'm gonna take my break before i get going i know that was a quick little thing but before i get into this i'm gonna take my break uh i know i just had one i know i know but this is what i can do on my show i can just call it and just say i'm gonna take my break so i'm gonna take this break that way i'm not interrupting my my thing so i'm gonna take this break i'll be right back you're listening to dimline radio on the z talk radio network at ztalkradio.com i'm your host jim dr jim Fitzsimmons. i'll be back
0: Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z-Talk Radio. Influenza season is upon us, and it can be a killer. But it's not too late to vaccinate. Usually, most cases of influenza in Minnesota don't even occur until January or February, and the season lasts all the way through April. Get a flu shot now, and you'll protect not only yourself, but those around you. See your doctor or visit mdhflu.com to find a flu clinic near you. This message from the Minnesota Department of Health. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network.
1: You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening
0: to Z-Talk Radio Network.
1: To Dimland Radio here in the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Sorry, that was a quick middle segment. I, uh, it was a quick one, because, well, it just seemed to make sense to make it quick. I don't know. I think I went long in the first segment. All right, uh, last week I uh, brought out my Strangely Enough book, and I told you the story of the, the lost TV signal and i did some looking into that that story to see if maybe there's something out there that can explain what it was that happened if in fact this was a true you know an actual story not just something made up and it turns out that there was and it was a hoax it was a it was some way of trying to promote a, a, a kind of tv set that was you know, the, the whoever was putting out this information about your call letters and identification cards showed up on our TV screens here. Um, how can you know what's going on? Maybe you can help us with this, and they try to promote this TV thing or get money from it or something. Whatever the the hoax was trying to do. And and so and so I and I thought that uh, since for last week's show I had prepared to talk about another such story in the strangely enough book that I have. Here in my hand, uh, and I didn't have time to get to it. I thought I'd do it this week again. This is another lost thing, except this thing is an army. That's right. The story is called "The Army That Disappeared." Uh, it's uh, it's it's in the book, uh, strangely enough, uh, which was written by C. B. Colby who was a, from what I understand, like a reporter kind of guy, sort of like the Ripley guy that did the Ripley's Believe It or Not stories, uh, would collect these uh, unusual folklorish urban legend type stories, or or certainly urban legend stories, and would relate them in newspaper articles and just didn't didn't care if the stories were true or not, but would uh, sort of uh, couch it in the idea that they're true. Um, he just thought they were entertaining, and, uh, and he, he just he didn't want to spoil it by, by spoiling a good story. <laughs> he, didn't, by, by, he didn't want to ruin things by explaining away a good story. That's just not as good, I guess, apparently. Well, okay. Here's one of the stories, which has an excellent illustration in here. I don't know who the illustrator was, but they did a really nice work. I think I talked about how the very simply done... I'll try to get a, a, an image of this uh, illustration if I can. I might just have to take a picture of it. I'll try to get one on the show notes page. You can go to the show notes page by going to dimland.com, click on the show notes slash blog option, and you'll get to this week's show's show notes. All right, here's the story. I'm going to read the story out of, uh, out of the Strangely Enough book. It's only a few paragraphs, and hopefully I won't trip too much because I'm not the best reader in the world, but you'll bear with me, won't you? The Army That Disappeared In 1939, China and Japan were at war. On December 10, Japanese soldiers were marching on the Chinese city of Nanking, and the Chinese desperately attempted to hold them off as long as possible. To the south of Nanking, Rolling Hills offered a chance for a last-ditch stand against the advancing Japanese if extra troops could be obtained to take up defensive positions there. Answering the request for aid, 3,100 Chinese troops were rushed to the hills. Sixteen miles from an important junction near the only bridge across the river, they dug in for a fight to the finish. During the night, the troops, with six or seven howitzers, spread out along a line two miles long. They were well hidden against any aerial attack that might come. The commander, Colonel Li Fu-Sien, personally inspected the men and then retur- retired to his own headquarters a mile behind the lines. An hour or so, just before dawn, I'm sorry, an hour or so later, just before dawn, the colonel was awakened by an aide who told him that he had been unable to contact the right flank of the new defensive line. There was no reply to any signals, and the aide suggested that the colonel make another trip to see what was the matter. To his amazement, the colonel found nothing. With the exception of one small group stationed at an outpost near the bridge, every man had vanished. The men at the post had heard no sounds during the night and there were no signs of a struggle anywhere along the line. The guns were still in place and many of the small campfires were still burning. No one had crossed the only bridge that led to the Japanese lines and the area that had been so blasted by shellfire that the only trees left offered no shelter if any men had sneaked off in cowardice. Even if somehow they had been able to reach the enemy lines in a mass surrender, there would have been some record of it in Japanese reports. There was no such mention. What is even more mysterious, not one of the two thousand nine hundred, eight hundred I'm sorry, two thousand nine hundred eighty eight. Japanese soldiers was ever seen or heard of again. Ooh, creepy! They disappeared overnight, within the course of just a you know a couple of hours. Because you know the the general uh, the colonel had been out there to inspect them, and then once the inspection was done, he says, "All right, boys, I'm I'm going back a mile away from here <laughs> while well, you you handle this." And then uh, you know. He, he hits the sack, and like a couple hours later, he's woken up. And you know, so in that time, nearly 3,000 soldiers just disappeared. So when I was a kid, you hear that story. That's creepy. Wow, that's, wow. There's an actual name in there. There's an actual date. You know, December 10th, 1939. But the only thing is, so so what I did was, let's look it up. You know, as a kid, I couldn't do the Google because I didn't have the Google. But we got it now. So I started looking around for it. I looked for the army that disappeared, the Chinese army that disappeared. I looked up the colonel's name. And I found two two sites that uh, were talking about the story. One was uh, a war history... uh, Online sort of blog or something uh, It's so I'll link to a couple of the things that I found That had at least Tried to offer an explanation Of what had happened uh, Most everything else though Was just about the disappearance it, it, There was nothing that really s- Explained what had happened Or gave me any kind of insight Other than these two sites uh, And I thought I'd read A s- s- selection from one of them uh, just to, to you know, just to see where where we go here. Um, it had told the story about the, the 2,988 soldiers disappearing, and that some theories came up. It was mentioned in the book here that they that uh, they, they surrendered to the Japanese, but nobody saw anybody go across the bridge, or maybe they deserted, and there wasn't really any place in the in the area where they would have deserted to that they could hide. So, you know, and they were never seen again, heard from again, hmm. So one of these stories uh, uh, that, or one of these sites that uh, tackled this this particular uh, mystery, mystery, has this to say, uh, the theory about the theories about what had happened. The first theory to emerge regarding the missing soldiers was that they had surrendered to the Japanese. While this was possible, it has been deemed as unlikely. They would need to cross the bridge to Nanking, and the soldiers stationed there had, had not seen anything. Uh, defection, I think, they, they write defection, but I think they mean surrender. Surrender would also have been unlikely as the, the Chinese were aware of the horrific treatment that uh, prisoners of war received from the Japanese. Uh, the, if the battalion had gone to the japanese it is likely they would have would be tortured or outright killed information that was later provided by the japanese also makes this theory unlikely as there was no mention of surrendering soldiers in nanking especially en mass especially this is me adding especially close to 3000 soldiers just showing up you know when sergeant york in 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 world war 1 had uh you know, got the best of a bunch of German soldiers. I don't know how many he marched in. Just him. It was just him. He, they, they surrendered to him, and he marched them in, and there was like a hundred of them or something like I mean, it was a huge number, and this is one guy managed to to do that. I don't know how he did it, but we take notice of that, and don't you think the Japanese would have taken notice of 3,000 Chinese soldiers giving up? Don't you think that would have been some uh, some kind of a propaganda tool that they could have used? Look! You know, this, this army gave up. This battalion surrendered to us. They know our cause is right, or whatever they would, the Japanese might say at that time. Back to the uh, little article. Another possible theory is that the soldiers deserted their position. This is a very reasonable theory, as the troops might have been tired of fighting or saw hopelessness in their situation. While the bridge was not the, uh, while the bridge was the only way to Nanking, it would not have been the only way out of the area uh, The other source or at least maybe this article I didn't pull all the uh, the, the paragraphs from it did mention the the small amount the, the, how little vegetation how little how few hiding places three thousand soldiers could have if they were deserting. And again, why would they never heard of it again? You, you would think there'd be something. Uh, over Back to the article. Over the years, there have been more outlandish theories proposed to explain the disappearance. One theory is that the battalion vanished into a parallel universe. Uh, after all, if our universe is surrounded by a number of invisible parallel universes, this should theoretically be possible. I don't know if that's true. How about aliens? That, that, that was an offered uh, thing. It's not in the article, but it's me saying. Uh, aliens, maybe? There was even uh, somebody had offered the, the idea that maybe they, these soldiers escaped into the hollow earth. You know, the hollow earth theory. There's the flat earth theory. There's the hollow earth theory. Continue with the article. When considering all theories, one has to consider whether this incident occurred at all. There is some debate regarding the narrative of the disappearance. Some versions of the story place the incident as happening in December 1937, which would be the immediate run-up to the Battle of Nanking. Others place the incident in 1939, which would be a year and a half after the battle. No reputable historians or publications have looked into this disappearance, indicating that it could be a myth. Given this information, it is highly possible that the Nanking Battalion never existed and is a total fabrication. Now, I think they're on to something there. Uh, there was, uh, back in the early days of, uh, of, of the skeptical movement, when there was, there was this group of uh, skeptical men, well, they were men, Carl Sagan was one of them. James the Amazing Randy was one. Martin Gardner was one. There was a group of them, uh, and a fellow named Ray Hyman was was also one. And there were others that they got together and they started to you know push forward this idea of bringing skepticism into popularity, bringing it out, speaking out about being skeptical, and 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 advancing critical thought. And that kind of stuff. They they, they they wanted to try to advance that to try to move away from silliness. <laughs> uh, they also, uh, not all that whole group, but I think uh, much of them, uh, put together uh, a skeptical magazine. It was called this. It was called the Zetetic. It later changed its name to Skeptic Magazine. Uh, so they they did this, and w- and one of the guys there in the group was Ray Hyman, and Ray Hyman has a maxim that's attributed to him that goes like this. Uh, Do not try to explain something until you are sure there is something to be explained. So, as a kid, reading this story, oh my goodness, an army, an entire army disappeared. And they gave a date for it, and they gave the name of the colonel. So when you search for those things now, you just get this mystery story or a couple of sites that have taken the trouble of looking into it a little closer and realizing, you know, there's... There's nothing there. You know, the Japanese have no record of a mass surrender. There's, there's, it's just there's no record of, of, uh, of uh, uh, that kind of a, a desertion when nobody shows up again. There's no, you don't hear anything about it. The historians aren't telling the story. They aren't writing about it. It just seems like hmm, maybe there isn't any there there. Maybe the army just didn't exist and somehow this is a story that just came about. I don't know. I don't know if it's a common kind of folklorish thing that happens in, in war, but uh, I think it's likely that the army never existed. It's kind of hard to hide 3,000 fellas. Did Indiana Jones really not have any impact on Raiders of the Lost Ark? Did his character really not have any impact? That's that's something that's been going around. I've heard Dana Gould talk about it. it was the first, thing, first person that I've ever heard say it brought it up, and I went, hmm, 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 huh, hmm, maybe. I, I stumbled across a, a scene from uh, The Big Bang Theory. I, let me... I, you know I, I'll admit to my snobbery and I, I've admitted to my snobbery before about uh, comedies that are are filmed or videotaped for a live studio audience that, that they I think they tend to be less good than a sitcom that is done like a little movie one camera the scenes may not be done in order you know it's it's you know but in a, in a live before a live audience that's a that's a show that's done like a play. And I think that they go for the easier jokes to get the audience to laugh. They can also sweeten the laugh. They can use the laugh track stuff to make the audience sound like they're laughing more than they are. They can do that. Uh, But I think they go for the easier jokes. A lot of times it's sex jokes. In fact, I used to do this little thing. Back in the days when I used to watch TV, and I'd be flipping through the channels trying to find something to watch, and I'd be going through the channels that just have like you know reruns, syndicated reruns shows, Uh, and and I did this thing with the show, the sitcom Two and a Half Men. Uh, Anytime if I happened to stumble across it as I'm flipping, I would stop. I I'd stop just to see how long. You know I I would say to myself I'm going to stop, and I'm going to continue. Once a sex joke is made, but I'll wait until there's a sex joke is is made, and I wonder how long will it take before I start flipping again. So I'd be flipping, flipping, flipping. Oh, two men, uh, two men, and a, and a uh, two and a half men. That's it. show. Flip, flip, flip. Two and a half men. Oh, okay, pause. One, one Mississippi. Two in Mississippi. Three sex joke. Move on. <laughs> I it's, yeah, I think that show like ninety nine percent of their jokes were sex jokes. For that show so I didn't care for it it's, it's just too easy I think I think sex jokes are easier because I know sometimes they're funny and I, but I think also it's it's a it's the it's the uncomfortable reaction to laugh that might be a certain thing there I don't know I'm not a psychologist what do I know so I did that with Big Bang theory too I'd go flipping through flip 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 big Bang theory okay wait for the sex joke now I'd wait a bit longer. And be, because they they didn't do as many, uh, uh, high, as high a percentage of sex jokes. It was more like, yeah you know, like 89% were sex jokes. It's probably not fair, because I never really watched the show. But I would watch enough of it, and I'd start watching more of it to see, waiting for the sex joke to come up, and I'd see the other jokes, and I'd think, eh, it's not that funny. Just not to me. I know, it just wasn't my thing. I got friends that liked The Big Bang Theory, and they thought it was fine. But I, I just, you know, just didn't catch me, I guess. I don't know. Well, there's a show, there's an episode... Where Sheldon, the uh, the guy on the on the uh, you know the autism scale, and he's with his girlfriend Amy, and they're sitting on the couch and they've just finished watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's the first time Amy's ever seen it, and Sheldon's excited. It's one of his favorite movies of all time, and he's all excited. And she looks at him and says, "Well," and she said, "It was good. I liked it." He's it's so she's not reacting the way she was you know, hoping she'd react. And, and, and she said, well, when you said I was going to lose my virginity, I thought something, sex joke. See, he meant virginity of not ever seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark. bringing the sex joke. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I chose my I chose my words wrongly. I should have said, you were going to have your world rocked on my couch. Another sex joke. Anyway, she mentions that there's a glaring plot hole in the movie. And it's, what? And he, she says, yeah, Indiana Jones had no... Bearing on the outcome of the story, she said that you know whether or not he was involved, the Nazis would have found the ark, would have taken it to that island, would have opened it up, and would have died. Whether or not Indiana was Indiana Jones was there or not, it just whether he was there or not. And you know, there's a joke that but made then it was a uh, uh, huh. Now the clip goes on. I found it on YouTube. Uh, when I was looking at it. the clip goes on, he, Sheldon is now trying to find something that Amy likes so that he can ruin it for her. That's a great relationship, and uh, he sits down with his with the other three nerds and tells them of the, how it's been ruined, and he just ruins it for all three of them because they all go, "Ah." Now they did hit upon. See, I had thought when Dana Gould was talking about, it, I said, "Well, there's a couple things that he does in it that." you know, that affects affects things. And the Big Bang nerds, they figured it out. They said, well, the Americans got it. Got it got the Ark. You know, if it wasn't for Indiana Jones, there's no guarantee that the Americans would have gotten the Ark. One can assume, um, this is me, one can assume that the island that they took that to was occupied by the Germans. And, you know, a bunch of Germans aren't you know disappear if they're not responding to you know radio uh, contacts attempts you would think that they would send other people to see you know other soldiers to find out what had happened and then you'd find all these dead soldiers around this ark you know then the Germans may, may have opened it again and then died again but <laughs> eventually they'd say you know this is a this is a weapon we, we got to figure out how to use this and then the germans would have it Right? So Indiana Jones being there made sure that the Americans got it and put it in that warehouse, which is what the, the nerds said. But then they realized, yeah, but he was supposed to be getting it for the museum. And they went into that warehouse and they went, uh, again. But I thought of another thing. Indiana Jones saves Marion's life. Remember? He goes to find Marion. Right? She's just uh, closed the bar after winning the drinking game. And he comes in, and they have their exchange. And he tells her, I'm, look, I'm looking for this medallion. Your, your, your father had it. It's a worthless piece of junk. I'd like to have it. Can I get it? Where, you know where it is? And she says, well, I, it's not here. You'll have to come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. Well, he says, okay. So he leaves. And as soon as he leaves, well, who comes into the bar? The Nazis. Right? The Nazis come walking in. And they say, you know, they're looking for this thing, too. And, and uh, you know, they're going to get it. And she said, well, you know, I, I don't have it. And but she does have it, right? She's got it. She, she had it around her neck. She was lying to Indy. Liar. But she, she takes it off. and She hangs it around some candelabra thing on a, one of the tables. Well, the Nazis come in, and they're obviously going to torture her. And she'll tell them where it is. It's right over there on the table. They'll get it. They'll kill her. And off they go. But Indy intervenes. See? And he ends up saving her life. Now the the one Nazi spotted the medallion, which has now gotten hot enough that it would you know put a burn mark, or melt a branding in his palm of his hand where he grabs it, and so the Germans get the you know part of the medallion on there. But I was I was the pedant in me bot, was bothered by that when I saw that that the the way it burn brands into the guy's hand is not does not match the way he held it when we saw it. You know, doesn't doesn't match. It's too far down. It's more burns on the fingers, not not straight all on the palm. Anyway, that's just me. <laughs> so, so you know, he saved her life because obviously they would have killed her. It it's just you know it, that would have been that would have been it. So so Indiana does make a difference, right? Right? He makes a difference. The Americans get to put the thing in the warehouse. You know, it's not a great difference. It's a, di- it's a difference. And, and, and he saves Marion's life. Uh, of course, he did lead the Nazis to Marion. See, remember when he got on the plane and he went flying to Nepal and you watched the map go around, you know, the globe go around the line, gets drawn onto the screen, and he flies over there. He's being followed by a Nazi spy who's looking at him from behind a Life magazine. So, um, yeah. Huh. Maybe he didn't make a difference. Oh, well, that's not the point of the movie anyway. Just enjoy it. It's cool. It's fun. This It's a great movie. Just enjoy it.
0: Good night, Herr Doctor.
1: Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, the end of another show you've been listening to Dimland radio on the z talk radio network at ztalkradio.com i'm your host jim dr dimford simmons uh please wash your hands and 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 wear a mask where you need to get vaccinated get boosted if you have been vaccinated thank you very much and again if this is your host jim dr dimford simmons reminding you all to sleep the lights off Production of the Z Talk Radio Network.
0: And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks, Thanks for tuning us in. in.
1: What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, well I'm, going I'm going to hell. Going to hell.